Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, does collecting banana bunch coins count as special skills or professional experience? It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how's it going? It's going really good. I, I'm reaching a critical time in my mm. um, continual watching of Murder, She Wrote. Oh, okay. I've had a lot of Murder, She Wrote, right? Like 12 seasons. Yeah. And You've had this. I've had this. I've been enjoying it. <laughs> okay. Right? Murder, She Wrote's gotten me through a couple of tough years. Sure. And I'm reaching the end of those 12 seasons. What are you going to do? I don't know. Mark. I j- am... What are you going to do? I'm really nervous. What did you do when you got to the um, uh, 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 Magnum P.I. crossover? Did you just watch uh, the Murder, She Wrote episode? Yeah, I did. I have not... Seen the other half of it? I don't think... I'm going to be completely honest. Yeah. And that is our pledge on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a single episode of Magnum P.I. ever in my life. Mark, neither have I. Here's the thing. Anytime I put off watching one of these like detective, like classic detective shows, and then like I actually watch it, I'm like, oh, that's good. Will I discover the same thing about Magnum P.I.? Is Magnum P.I. a detective show? Is, is it not? I thought it was a cop show. I mean, P.I., he's a private detective, <laughs> private investigator, right? That's <laughs> what P.I. stands for. Do you know what? I've never thought about it before. Um, so you don't have a plan for what you're going to do? I don't. I'm nervous. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I might just start it back at you the start beginning. Start at the beginning, yeah. But who knows? <sighs> I, I put a quick, uh, not a quick halt, it uh, petered out slowly, but a stop to my Columbo watch. Mm-hmm. Um, because Columbo starts out very special and wonderful, and Peter Falk is amazing. He's probably amazing all the way through. Um, but it just feels less special as it goes on. Oh, yeah. Like, when it's very, um, I mean, when it starts out, it's late 60s, it moves into, like, the 70s, and that's all awesome. But you get a little too late in the 70s, and you're like, this is starting to look like the 80s. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> and it goes to the 90s, right? Into the 2000s. Wow. Like, they made them for, I mean, not uh, on the same schedule. They would put out, like, three a year or something, or, like, one special. Um, but, yeah, no, it, like, Columbo ran for, like, 40 years. That's amazing. <laughs> I have to meter my Columbo out, like, one yeah. every few months, because otherwise that show just infuriates me. Why are these people putting up with Columbo Why in their house? Why are you talking Just to stop Columbo. talking to Columbo. Tell him to go away. Speaking of things that you may want to tell to go away, my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. Would you like to borrow it? You can certainly get on the list so that when I am going back to the post office to send it out into the world, uh, you can be one of its recipients. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com and give us a mailing address where we can send you my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. For you to play for as long as you want, you send it back. There may be a copy of Untitled Goose Game in there. Same rules apply there. Although there are no rules in the uh, Sonic Forces borrowing program, it is just exactly what you need it to be. It's exactly what we need it to be. It is the perfect borrowing program. Another thing you can do is you can leave us a five-star review 
on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. If you can favorite it, leave it a star. However it works, we appreciate it so much. It helps people find the show. Thank you to everyone who has left us a review where you get your podcasts. And if you leave us a review, we will give you a shout out. If we see it, we check the U.S. Apple Podcast Store. If you leave us a review anywhere else or a place where you, like Spotify, where you leave a review, but we're not able to see who did it, then send us an email. Hit us up on Twitter. We would love to give you a shout out. Absolutely. Thank you again to everyone who has already done it. And thank you to everyone who is uh, about to do it. Also, March is Kirby month. We've got a brand new Kirby game. I think I said brand new, brand new Kirby game coming out at the end of March. Uh, So we are going to be playing Kirby games, talking about Kirby games. So if you have Kirby memories or Kirby games that you would like us to play, please email us, NintendoCartridgeSociety at gmail.com. I'm getting very excited about this. We're getting some good suggestions in already. And it's all like the mind reels at what, the the Kirby bounty that lays before us. Oh man, totally! I so many good suggestions, and mm-hmm. I love that people are like, "Give us the weird Kirby." Yeah, That's a, everybody, everybody's down here in the dirt with us. We That's all right. want weird Kirby. That's right. We are. We uh, have have established. We've promised that Kirby Superstar is going to be table stakes for this. We will both come into the month knowing that game backwards and forwards, loving it from the bottom of our hearts, and so we can explore all manner of other Kirby uh just so you know like we we're we're, we're gonna be all over it we're gonna get the weird stuff I I promise uh, I'm very much looking forward to it Mark are you ready to find some Nintendo characters some real life jobs I'm so ready now once upon a time you and I did do an episode where we um decided what what Nintendo characters should lose their jobs. That, yep, we did. Uh, this was uh this happened around the time that Mr. Rossetti uh was fired from Animal Crossing because there was no longer any need for him to scold you for uh resetting the game without um saving. Um but this is different. Uh we we are now in an economy where there are lots of jobs out there to be had. People are having a hard time staffing jobs, which means the positions are out there. They're out there for job seekers to claim for themselves. Uh, And there's maybe just, you know, people may have a hard time turning their experience into what their their qualifications to get a new job. Maybe you don't have any experience in that field exactly. Uh, So we're going to take some Nintendo characters and we're going to sort of tweak their experience to fit these jobs that we've come up with. That's right. We're going to help craft their resumes. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, just like figure out what strategies they have to get a job like this in the first place. So we have generated a list of 20 jobs and a a list of 12 Nintendo characters. uh, And we will go through and get each one of these Nintendo characters a job. Mark, are you ready to uh, select our first Nintendo character? Yeah, let's do it. Should we run down the characters? Should we run down the jobs? Uh, no, I think if they're surprises. Ooh, it, mystery. Okay, uh, great. Do, do, do you think that's fun? Okay, so the uh, the first character we are doing is, of course, going to be character number one, Wario. Um, and Wario, we are going to try to get Wario the job of number seven on the list, Mark. Roadie for an aging touring rock band. Okay, so this, uh, this is going to be a rock band-like... Uh, I don't know, like the Rolling Stones or something, right? Like sure. someone who is pretty well regarded, so like got to be professional, um, but also like got to hustle. Like the you know Rolling Stones got no no time for like someone who's gonna be like lounging about. Yep. 
Um, so Wario, what do we know about Wario's job history to date? Well, I feel like when we see him working in WarioWare games, he's usually, usually in like a managerial position. Yeah, truly. Uh, that like all of his friends are working for him on his game, mm-hmm. which usually features him like in a starring role. So like, it's going to be weird for him not to be in a management position here, right? Right. Not a management position, but you could say, you know, um, experience working with people. Yeah, truly. Um, and also, like, uh, as a roadie, he'll have, like, some technical responsibilities, too, right? Right. Um, so, like, uh, and uh, would have experience probably, like, QAing stuff so he can, like, uh, test guitars and, like, test microphones. And, like, so he has that technical experience. Um, I think he also really... Because, like, Mark, you've been to a rock show, like, at least once, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, those, the, the roadies, usually pretty big guys, right? Um, they've got to, like, schlep some heavy equipment. And Wario can physically do the job. That's true. He's got some heft. He's got some heft. I think he needs to really put on there his treasure hunting experience. Um, and I don't know how you put on a resume, like, can lift bag of gold the size of my body and shake it until it's empty of coins. But if you did put that on a resume, it would yeah. probably catch an HR person's eye. Absolutely. Right. They're looking through hundreds of resumes. Right. And they're like, that is something I haven't seen before. No one else mentions a giant bag of gold coins in their I resume. I want to hear that story. I want to hear that. Yes, exactly. Also, that sounds heavy. <laughs> um, but that's a good point because yeah. Wario, you were saying, you know, like, uh, let's say it is for a group like the Rolling Stones. They are on the move constantly. And yes. I think that, like, Mario has heft and hustle. Wario. Wario has heft and hustle. Yeah. That's what the whole, like, charging dash thing is all about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's also like a component of he does this uh, treasure hunting the world over. So he is no stranger to world travel. Um, he could even, I know it's not like a, uh, you know, like bouncer fixer kind of position, but like he could sort of tag in for that kind of responsibility. If he had to, absolutely. If yeah. stuff started getting out of control. Yeah, totally. I mean, you want to have Wario in your corner. You certainly don't want him working against you. Uh, okay. Did we get Wario this job? I think we did a pretty good job. Do you think there's something more that we need to like double back I'm on? I'm just or? trying. Um, let's see. Uh, Rhodey mm-hmm. probably wears all black. Right. That's a little tough for him. He's he's a like a garishly dressed individual. But also like a Rhodey can. We're not talking like a stage manager here, right? Uh-huh. Um, so like, I think the look of him wearing the like uh, the like jean jacket vest. It can have a little personality. He can have a little personality. Yeah. yeah. I think he's a good fit. I, th- I think I think we got him that job. All right, Wario, you are now touring with the Rolling Stones uh, as a roadie. Um, Mark, are you ready to select our second character? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to read out the number. You just tell me who the character is. Okay. Number three. That is Samus. So Samus is applying for the job of job number four, a sommelier. Okay, now this... <laughs> This is tough. This is tough. Because of all the people that I would think should be applying for a sommelier job, geez, I don't know. Does Samus even like food? Does she like wine? Like It doesn't come up yeah, very often. No. Uh, Adam's not like, snack time. <laughs> what do you pair with a nice brie? <laughs> it's it's difficult. Here's the, here is the thing that I will say about Samus, um, is that she is uh, self-motivated. 
right? She's a she's a bounty hunter. She collects her own bounties, right? Figures all that out on her own. Um, but also that she has to go to alien planets where she has zero information about what she's going to find there. Is she going to uncover a brand new, like, virus? Is, she discovered the Metroids, right? Like, all of this stuff is new to her, and she becomes an expert in it. So I think that's got to be a part of what she sells, that, like, she's not scared of going into a new environment with zero information. I think that's, like, you get her in an interview. Mm-hmm. They're going to be looking at her resume. Yeah. I'm going to say, we like you, right? But we're we're kind of missing this you know, the direct skill connection. Right. But that's something that she can rely on, right? Is like, hey, I'm a fast learner. Right. I learn on the job all the time. Boy, I feel like she's going to have to lean on that really hard. Well, here's another thing yeah. that I think is in Samus's favor is she has a really good attention to detail. Because like you're saying, she's showing up mm-hmm. on these, she has a detective's mind, you know? Yes. like she, And I feel like she will be able to find and detect Hints of whatever flavor exist in, mm-hmm. you know, like certain wines. Probably a lot better than a lot of other people would. That, like, attention yes. to detail. Here's And here's her secret weapon. Scan visor. She scans the wine with her visor, and it is already prompting her with, like, what chemical compounds are in there, what chemical compounds are, like, complementary to it. She's going to bring a whole extra piece of information to the wine tasting gig. Yeah. Is that cheating? Like, is it something... She I mean, has I access guess, like, to a tool that no one else has access to. I, I mean, think it's fair It's fair play. Yeah, good point. Really good point. Uh, I think she can also play up her military service, too. It means that she can uh, take orders under pressure, which any kitchen is going to be like a high-pressure scenario. I know the Somalia is usually kind of like sequestered from the rest of the kitchen staff, uh, making recommendations to the table, like sort of after they've already made their decisions about food. Um, but uh, I think you can incorporate that role in with the rest of the kitchen uh, just as actively, and she would be great at it. Yeah, and I also think that she is good under pressure. Yes. And so having to make, like, split-second decisions and living with that, true in combat, true in choosing wines for people. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I think we definitely got her this job. I'm so glad we landed on the scan visor. That's an that's like a crucial piece of, of information. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, that's good. We got Samus that job. Uh, just deleting the list here. Okay. Um, the next character, Mark, is going to be character number three. Okay, so we've already done character number three, but since we're deleting characters from the list. Yes, that's right. Okay. I, I, every every time we assign one of these, uh, I change the numbers uh, so that, because I'm, I'm not like, I can't do a random number generator one through 12, but not three. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Number three is Funky Kong. Funky Kong. We are going to get the job of job number four. Which is storyboard artist. Okay, this is a tough one. Okay. <laughs> we're giving ourselves, we're not doing ourselves any uh, favors here. We got no easy walks here. Um, well, what do we know about uh, Funky Kong? Well, schematics are in Funky Kong's wheelhouse because okay. he is a, in Donkey Kong Country 3, he is a inventor and builder. I don't know why I said it inventor. Sometimes you just say things weird and it's delightful. Yeah, okay, so he yeah, so he has schematics, that that's true. He's probably if not drawing those up specifically, um he's sourcing them somewhere. Yeah. Are, are those his designs? I, I guess think I don't so. know. So, I I th- I think that's the implication. 
The thing that I can't really like get away from is that he's Funky Kong is a surfer, right? Yes. And there are uh, you know obvious uh, links between surf culture and skateboard culture, and in skate culture specifically, there's a lot of like tagging and like customization of like decks and stuff. So I think we have to assume that he has experience, if not. Uh, like he's got to have an eye for it, right? Like he has to have an eye for art, which doesn't necessarily make him a good storyboard artist. No, because I, I, I th- feel like the piece that we need to connect. So I think he yeah. has this, the, this, like you were saying, like I think he has the drafting skills. Like I think, sure, the skill is there. I think the piece that we're missing is is the storytelling. Is element. like the storytelling, like the creative, like being able to you know visually tell a story. Yeah, yeah, that one's tough. Does he have? Does he have any like? connections in uh, does he have any like people in his uh, oh in his sure orbit? nepotism yeah yeah well if not or if not nepotism just like friend like that's how people get jobs uh-huh. is that they know people and yes. they, they so like is there anyone close to this that may be that may be able to help him get a storyboard artist job honestly it seems pretty tough to me did does he know swanky kong swanky kong at least hosts a game show so like he's in show he's in the industry okay so maybe that's it maybe he has to really lean on swanky kong as as a connection right and swanky kong maybe swanky kong can like get him in the door yeah some places funky kong i think would be willing to work like start from the bottom yeah i I mean i think so he's we've seen him obviously as you uh, described him earlier as an inventor, but he is also uh, a like travel magnate. Right in the first game, he runs an airline. Yeah, weird. Um, so yeah, I think he is. He's worked a lot of jobs, which means he's no stranger to starting at the bottom, working his way up a little bit, then starting over again. <laughs> um, frequently, his own boss. Right. Uh-huh. So like he can use that like sort of self-starter uh, thing to sell himself. But yeah, I think in a lot of ways it's going to have to rely on Swanky Kong yeah. to, to get him through this. Yes. He doesn't have the qualifications on paper, but I believe in Funky Kong. I think given the opportunity, he could be a storyboard artist. <laughs> I believe in Funky Kong. Um, uh, all right. Uh, that That's good. I don't know that we got him that job, but I think that's, <laughs> that, that's the best shot he's going to have. Yeah, I think so too. All right. Next character is number seven. We Fit Trainer. Uh, and the job that the We Fit Trainer is going out for is job number six. Firefighter. Oh, man. Well, they, they're physically fit. They are physically so fit. So they're going to be able to pass the uh, fireman test. Firefighter's test. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so they, they definitely are fit. I wonder what all the uh well and so they because there's so much like yoga and stuff as part of that they have like a an understanding of how the human body works right mm-hmm. so you know they will probably have to get their like uh CPR certification and all that kind of stuff but I think they already know enough about breathing and how the human body works um that they can learn that stuff Can the we fit here's a great question can the we fit trainer drive does the we fit trainer know how to drive but do you think that uh, sorry let me answer that question first yeah no okay it's a real problem <laughs> you gotta drive a fire truck but yeah do you think that being able to drive a car like a passenger car translates into being able to drive a fire truck Ooh, what a great question. i think Probably it is not. i think it's sure a great first step like mm-hmm. knowing how to operate a, a motor vehicle yeah but i'm guessing you have to learn how to drive a fire truck so they would be they would be behind 
Yeah. But I don't think it would be a deal breaker. Right. And I think in this case, you really have to lean on the sort of like bedside manner that, and again, not that a firefighter is a doctor, but a firefighter does have to work with EMTs and like, we'll spend a lot of time in like the back of ambulances, like helping as like a first sure, responder. You're, I, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, you are going into traumatic situations all the time. And being able to talk to people in a calming voice, get them breathing regularly, get them feeling different parts of, you know, their, their muscles and their body and like connecting that all to like their well being, reminding them that they're safe. I think the Wii Fit trainer may in fact be uniquely qualified to be a firefighter. Very good at that. Um, also if it's the male Wii Fit trainer would look perfect on a calendar, right? <laughs> a hunky fireman's calendar. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Is the, do you think that that's something that ever comes up in a firefighter job interview? I I think it's on the list of things not to ask about, but that doesn't mean that they're not thinking about it. Right. I think it's it's always got to be in the back of your mind. Yeah. Um. All right. I think I think we nailed that one. Uh. So now we we are down to eight characters. So the next character is character number seven, Judd. Judd from the, Splatoon. From Splatoon, and the job is number six. Zoo janitor. So this is the janitor at a zoo. Uh, Question. Yeah. About the zoo janitor position. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it like, are they emptying trash cans? Like, are they a janitor for the human part of the zoo or for the animal part of the zoo? This is a great question. I think one that uh, as the job applicant, as Judd, need to seek clarity on For right sure. away. Yeah. Because on one hand, it's like shoveling elephant poo. And on the other hand, it's like cleaning up the food court, right? Um, I think for the purposes of this conversation, I don't know. Which way do you want to go? Well, um, I actually, I think it's probably safer for Judd mm-hmm. if he is like, uh, for a uh, janitor for the human side sure. of the zoo because I don't Judd is a little testy, yeah, and Judd is an animal, yes, and I don't think Judd hanging out with the anim- the other animals you think would be bad. I think that's a bad combination. Here's the thing with Judd though is that he lives his entire life among creatures wholly unlike him. Right, right. He is the only mammal, other than of course the the tiny clone of himself. Um, in a world of uh, squid creatures and other sea monsters that have taken on human forms. So he would possibly be comfortable in an environment where he's uh, around creatures unlike himself, but maybe it is for the best that he just be like in the human part of the Well, I'll push back a little bit because he is also, like when he was uh, woken up out of his slumber, like Mm. for a long time he was revered as a god. And okay. so I think he has an inflated sense of worth. Also, I'm not really, I'm not particularly worried about like, I know I said that he is testy, but I'm not really super worried about him around other animals. Yeah. But like wild animals may not know how to react to Judd. When I was in college, the janitor who uh, worked the dorm that I lived in for two years um, seemed like a, a cool guy, but he had all these stories about going to zoos and making the gorillas mad. And one time a gorilla flipping him off and he flipped the gorilla off back and it made the gorilla like charge at the like cage wall and like yell at him. 
he seemed like such a nice guy. <laughs> but, like, he's making gorillas mad. Anyway, I don't know how this relates to Judd, but I think Judd would be better than the janitor uh, from Ormsby Hall at Lawrence University in the early 2000s. Um, okay, how does Judd get this job? Right. Because um, his current experience is, like, adjudicating matches between squid kids. Mm-hmm. So he's no stranger to mess. Right. He and in fact, it has a discerning eye for how much mess on one side versus how much mess on another. He would know where to start. Yes. <laughs> he would know how to prioritize. Right. Right. That's good. Um, and would be able to communicate it clearly to the rest of the to the rest of the janitorial staff. Uh-huh. He would wave a checkered flag in one direction or the other. <laughs> uh, yeah. But beyond that, I don't know what other qualifications he has. No. I mean, I guess you could argue that he does have management experience. Because he manages the little clone, Uh little Judd. Yeah. It's unclear whether or not there would be any opportunity for uh, growth into a a janitor managerial uh, position in this role. Although you have to imagine that a zoo has multiple janitors that work for it. So they they definitely need a team player. Mm Mm-hmm. Judd's not getting this job. I don't think I don't think, think he's so. getting this job. I don't think so. And I don't... Here is the thing. If he was revered as a god when he first uh, came out of, like, cryosleep or whatever, um, he's got to have great references. Right? Yeah, that's true. So I think it's probably he's got to lean on those references. And even though his references have nothing to do with either uh, a zoo or janitorial work... Um, there's such glowing references as like, this cat is a god, hire him. I think he gets an interview. <laughs> yeah, I think probably. I think it depends on how well he does in the interview on whether he gets this job or not. No, oh, that's that that's a tough one. Um, sorry, Judd. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we, we got We tried you. our best. We, we tried our best. Um, all right, next uh, character is character number one. Professor Egad. Professor Egad will be going out for the job of number 11 general contractor okay this one seems like kind of right down the middle yeah i i i agree i think that professor egad would make a fine general contractor yeah i mean he has experience uh, he obviously is an inventor mm-hmm. um he can bring out his inventions and show you how effective they are at catching ghosts, even when equipped by someone as cowardly as Luigi. Right. Um, And I think there's a lot of money collection in Luigi's mansion games. Is that weird? They like, it's like dollar bills. It's not just like the, the sort of generic like coins. Right. Yeah. Um, So I think EGAD has like an eye towards like, how much things cost. And like, so as he's building out a quote for, um, you know, the addition that he's going to put on your pool house, like he's going to have an eye for like, this is how, the, how much this thing costs is oh, if you're going to want like the higher quality, uh, like Bluetooth speakers uh, that can be outside. Uh, we can do that, but it's going to cost you a little extra money. Do you think that professor Egat is a good communicator? No. I do not. I think he is a frequent communicator, which is what he'll have to lean on, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, whenever we see him in a Luigi's Mansion game, he's always calling Luigi, right? He's finding a way to talk to him on a Game Boy, right? <laughs> so, but he's he's. It's always. It, does he? 
feel like a little pushy when he talks to Luigi? A little bit. I mean, uh, it's difficult to say because I think Luigi needs that sort of direction. Absolutely. So maybe that's a good thing because the uh, general contractor is not just talking to the client, but also communicating with the team and making sure, you know, like pushing them to fulfill their obli- their part of the obligation. Sure. So, like, that could be uh, a, a bullet point on the resume of, like, lead team of three, because I'm counting Polterpelp in, in, in this team, um, to, you know, make improvements in a haunted hotel. Yeah, sure. One of them was, um, like, Gooigi, sure. and one of them was Polterpup. Yeah. But... I mean, look, if you're ever uh, man is putting a bullet point about a team that you manage, you count yourself as one of those people on that team. Because it's well, not a lie. <laughs> also, when you think about it, yeah. it's probably more difficult to manage a team that includes Polterpop and yeah. uh, Gooigi. Yeah, because Gooigi is a time traveler that uh, from the future who tastes like coffee. Yeah. Um, that's a weird creature. I honestly, I don't think Professor Egad needs her help to get this job at all. I think you, I, I genuinely think Professor Egad would be a very good general contractor. Yeah, as as do I. All right, great. Um, so did it? Did I, yes, I got rid of those from the list. Um, we are down to now six. We are halfway through our list. Um, the next character is number six, uh, Wardell. Uh, and the job that Wardell is going out for is number five. Watch Repairman. Oh, boy. Okay, so Wardell, this is the manatee from uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons, Happy Home Paradise. In that game, he uh, is sort of like the curator or like he manages the um, selection, the like kind of slight selection, right? It's only a couple items per day um, of things that you can buy using Pokey um, to uh, decorate other people's homes um, on uh, the on the archipelago or that you can take back to uh, your place. So he deals in very specialized uh, like furniture and decor. Um, so he has experience sourcing unique parts. Yeah, because do we think Wardell is like curating? Absolutely. This? Yeah. yeah. I think Wardell goes out into the world. He, he knows like a couple shops, a couple like suppliers that he goes in and he finds only the best, right? Where he brings back like a weird lamp or like a bed that has uh, some posts on it or something. Uh, and he brings it and, you know, has a pretty high markup on it. And that's, you know, of course, a great like resume, just general resume skill. Everybody's yeah. looking for somebody with an attention to detail. Right. Uh, and you are going to need an attention to detail if you're in watch repair. Mm-hmm. Um, what else does a watch repairman do? Well, I think it's your, like, one, you have to know how watches work yeah and that's a um i feel like that's such a specialized skill yeah and well and you would think the inner workings of like a a watch yeah and you would think that like having so much experience in because some of that furniture is going to be just sort of out of necessity like a a piece of furniture in a home is a clock right like a grandfather clock or like cuckoo clocks like he has to be familiar with them uh if not with how they work at least like knows the variety of them right downsides Mm -hmm. things we're gonna have to talk around in his job interview i don't know how much dexterity i don't think he has fingers i think he's got flippers and it's such a you know you're working on such small intricate pieces yeah that that would be a worry 
to me yeah if i was taking my watch for repair and um like a manatee was preparing to work on it right well and he's also uh wardell is very deliberate and very slow which I think will come across like in, in the interview. And it's, when I say slow, I don't mean he's dumb, right? He is just, he's very deliberate. He takes his time with things, which I think can be confidence instilling when you're taking someone, something to for them to repair, right? You want to know if someone is going to take their time with it. Especially I feel like if you're taking a watch mm-hmm. for repair, it must mean that you like that watch like it means something to you right you don't take like a casio to get repaired right like you it's it has to be something meaningful to you i think uh uh, wardell is also gonna have great references because he has a good working relationship with lottie with nico the monkey like i think and he has experience uh with like high pressure clients right that uh they just want you to do their vacation home right. And so he has to source the perfect items for their home. Uh, just like you, if someone is bringing a watch to you, it's because it's a meaningful watch to them. So I, th- I think I think Wardell can probably get this job. I, I'm i a little worried because... A little worried about the fingers. I'm yeah. a little worried about the fingers. But uh, best of luck, Wardell. Mm-hmm. Really rooting for you. Um, I think he can also... He probably somewhere in his network... Um, knows someone that makes watches and clocks, so we can definitely tap into that. I mean, just from his his job, like sourcing equipment. Like, yeah, totally. You're right. Someone. If nothing else, he could get this job. He could pretend that he's fixing them, but really he's just taking them to somebody else who he knows. He's like <laughs> subcontracting the watch fixing is what I'm saying. Look, we're only working on getting someone the job. Once they get it, then it's out of our hands as to whether they're going to be good at it or not. We, d- we just want to get people in positions. Um, our next character is character number one. Tingle. Tingle, my boy, Tingle. Um, and Tingle is going out for the role of number eight. Radio Jingle Composer. Okay. I think that... Uh, holumpa, holumpa. <laughs> I think that Tingle could be pretty good at this. Yeah, yeah. He has a musicality about him. Mm-hmm. He, and uh, he has a sort of – look, one of the things like in <laughs> – Tingle is maybe so perfectly suited for work in radio because radio is nothing but old men trying to pretend to be younger than they are, right? Like that's all that of what so radio true. is. Okay, so, quick sidebar. Yeah. When I was in seventh grade, I would take the bus to junior high every day, mm-hmm. and I remember – the bus driver would listen to the same like contemporary like alternative rock station yeah every day and in that hour you know there was like one of those morning crews yes. i just assumed that they were like 18 no way like those barely. guys those guys are like 55 years old I mean, like Casey Kasem was doing like the the countdown until he was like eighty something, like and just trying to say the names of uh, rock bands. That, you know, just like it doesn't. It's it's nuts. Uh, radio is all about old men <laughs> trying to appear young, which means Tingle already has this job. <laughs> I do. I I agree. Like if Tingle existed in the real world outside of Hyrule, yes, I'm pretty sure he would be on AM radio. Yeah, to, I mean, let's let's uh, just come to terms with this. Tingle would have a podcast. Tingle would have a podcast. Tingle would have a podcast. <laughs> wow, this is really holding a mirror up to. You. We know where Tingle. We well, this is that's that's table stakes for the show. <laughs> um, but okay, what he has a musicality to him. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but I think he's he's going to need a little bit more. I mean, and luckily there are a lot of musical people in Hyrule that are like in his orbit that he may know. He knows Link, obviously. Link plays the ocarina, um, so that's good. He has witnessed the um, you know supernatural power of a baton that uh, makes music that controls wind, right? So, I mean, I, I think I think Tinkle's gonna. I think he's got it. Yeah, and honestly, he doesn't have to be the lyricist for it. No, well, in like a radio. Well, so what do we mean when we say radio jingle? I, I, I'm thinking of like station IDs. Oh, you know, like those, those, like those old-fashioned jingles. Um, but maybe we're actually talking about like for commercials for products. Yeah, I mean, I guess it could be both. Yeah, that they just have like jack someone, of all trades. Someone on staff for like any time they need a music cue, they're like tingle. We need a jingle for the re- for the traffic yeah. report, and he just writes it up. Does it, do do we see Tingle play an instrument at any point? I don't think so. He's more of a map man. Yeah, he's definitely into maps. Um and which doesn't really translate over to music. I think just by virtue of the fact that he is an old man pretending to be young and pulling it off uh gets him this job in radio. Um Mark, <laughs> you think they won't ask that many questions outside I don't, of that? No, I think they'll I think he'll come in and they'll be like we got it, and and then he'll he'll get an offer before the afternoon is over. Uh, next up, character number four, Ganondorf. Ganondorf sticking in the realm of Hyrule. He is looking for job number ten, wedding DJ. Okay, another uh, music related thing. Um, oh boy, would you hire Ganondorf to be your wedding DJ? The thing is, I might be scared not to. Mm, that's a good point. Okay, so are there wedding DJs that work for, like, are, are you just always basically interviewing for, do you know what I mean? That, like, uh, if you're a wedding DJ, you're probably, like, freelance, right? Like, you're not working for a company that, like, probably does that. Probably not, yeah. Um, unless it's, like, a wedding conglomerate that does, like, a... Right, like, oh, right, like, it's a wedding location that you have to use their DJ, you have to use their caterer, all that kind of stuff. But even then, I feel like I'm sure they are not... You got a DJ on the side, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, Ganondorf, no stranger to the hustle, right? Like, he knows that he's got to be recruiting all the monsters, and that he has to be like sucking up to the king, right? Trying to like, so he, he's got to, he's got to live in both worlds, right? Um, and I think that's uh, good for the wedding DJ uh, because it means that he is always looking for the next gig and that he can, he can talk to like the dad who's paying for the wedding. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but man, I like beyond that, I mean, is it just like an intimidation thing? Well, I do think that being a wedding DJ, probably a lot of your business is it's referral business, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, uh, people have a good experience with you, and so they tell their friends, and that's how you get hired on gigs. Right. Let me ask you this. Does Ganondorf, well, out on a, de- uh, a wedding DJ gig, does he pull out the old pipe organ and play like the weird, <laughs> the weird Ganondorf battle music uh, at the end of Ocarina of Time? Like, is, is that part of it? Because you're not going to get that from anyone else. Like you aren't. It's, I mean, s- someone else is going to play like twist and shout, and uh-huh. he's like, "No, <laughs> I'll show you a little bit louder now." And then he goes on to the on the pipe organ. Do you think it's a mix of both? Like, do you think he's playing contemporary hits, and then he's sliding the pipe organ in there? Like, do you think he's a uh, working? Like, he's 
a working musician right. who pipe organ is his craft and he is a wedding DJ. Sure. That's what pays the bills. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to think that he does like combine them in, in some ways, right? Like um, some of the better wedding DJs that uh, I've been witness to um, do like the DJing thing well, right? Of uh, like matching beats to uh, transition from one song to another, right? Um, and programming a, a night that starts out accessible to like the parents of uh, friends or, you know, the friends of parents um, and, and stuff like that. And then as the night goes on, get like kind of younger and hipper and more current, um, uh, you know, transition nicely through Lady Gaga because everyone loves Born This Way and it's fine. <laughs> um, uh, and everyone can dance to firework. But like, you know, by the end of the night, then you can really be doing like stuff that, you know, the, the older people haven't heard of. And I think Ganondorf, We've seen him program a progressively more difficult experience of dungeons. Surely he can do the same with uh, music. I think so, too. I also think that he is great at orchestrating people, right? He's really good yes. at getting yes. people to do to have the mood that he wants them to have. Yeah. And I, I, that's, like, important, right, for a wedding DJ because mm -hmm. you really want to sell that experience. Um. Yeah, no, I, th I think that's great. And and then also if he is just like gigging on the side, playing uh, an organ in, you know, I don't know, rock bands or something, uh, that uh, he would get referrals that way too. That like his other friends are also musicians, which mean they get asked like, hey, do you know a good DJ? They're like, I know a scary DJ. And they're like, okay, I guess that's good enough. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a wedding DJ for sure. I think he kills around Halloween. Totally. Does not play the Monster Mash. No. Refuses. Um, do you think he got that job? I mean, I think I, I think there's no stopping him, right? There's no stopping him. All right. Uh, next up is character number three. Mario. Mario is going... How many jobs do we have left? Eleven. Eleven. Okay. Uh, is going out for the job of number eleven. Hand model. Mario's going to be a hand model. Here's the thing. Uh, his hands always in those gloves, even when he's uh, out running around in Super Mario Odyssey in a swimming suit or with no other clothes on. He is wearing gloves. So is you're saying his so his hands are like perfectly preserved. They've never been touched by the sun. Like he's he has baby hands. So that's a huge plus. Huge plus. Probably because hand models you want them to look. You want people's hands to look nice. Yeah. If you're looking at it up close. But do you want it to look baby-like? That's a great question. I mean, because also, like, Mario has worked in construction. Obviously, he worked as a plumber. So while his hands are clean and have never seen the sun, uh -huh. maybe they are a little beat up. So maybe that's good. Maybe he's found, like, the perfect in-between. Yeah. So the hands photograph well. They look used. Yes. Right? They don't look like perfectly preserved <laughs> right. hands. Right, 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 right. But they're but. still in really nice condition. Well, and also, like, what kinds of things could uh, Mario serve as hand model for with his workmanlike hands? Downside. Hmm. He only has four fingers on a hand. Oh, this is, he is not getting this job. It's too weird. People would want to know what's going on but there. But you could probably, I think you could delicately hide it. Like if he was holding a a bunch of radishes, you know, uh -huh. you wouldn't necessarily know that, um, depending on how he was gripping them, 
that he only had four fingers. We got to talk about this. I think Mario has five fingers. I, I, I do not think he does. I think he has four th- fingers and a thumb. Oh, yeah. Like a human? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> like a human. Okay. I had a really... Because <laughs> I, I understand the impulse, like... The cartoon characters have... Oh, that's right. Like three none, fingers. Have like, like three like, fingers and a thumb. Like, like Disney th- characters have like three fingers and a thumb. Right. Or like the Simpsons or... Right. Uh, but Mario... But I just, Mario has normal hands. Mario has normal oh hands. Oh my gosh, what a relief. Mario... Everybody, Mario has Everyone normal hands. Everyone calm down. Mario has normal hands. We're okay. Normal hands that have never been uh, scorched by the sun, uh, but have known a hard day's work. <laughs> so he can definitely model like you know, a new Ryobi handsaw or something, right? Like, that's fine. People are going to be like, wow, that guy really does a lot of work. He deserves it. Uh, We should buy this. But because his hands are in gloves all the time, he could also do delicate work. Oh, okay. You know. I like this. Like, I think Mario could do both. Mario could be in a Zales commercial. He wouldn't probably (laughs) be having the ring put on his finger, but he could be putting it on somebody else's finger. Yeah, yeah. I I, I agree with that. And also, like, um, Mario is so good at um, just, like, embodying joy, right? Like, Mm -hmm. one of the things that I love about playing any Mario game is just making him run and jump around because it feels like fun, and I can hear and feel that he's having fun. And I feel like he'd be able to get that across in a print ad, in video. Oh, my gosh, so much. Yeah, Yeah. Mario's hands exude joy, for sure. I think that's unquestionable. I Like, I imagine him... Opening up a can like a bottle of salsa, pouring it in a bowl, yep. getting some chips out. Totally. And you're you can feel the party happening. So, okay, I at, at this point we've really just described why Mario would get the job, but is there I mean, what what is the application process for a hand model? It's gotta be an audition, right? Yeah. So, I think I think it's probably very similar for like an actor where yeah. you have uh headshots of your hands. Right. Hand shots. Hand shots. And both in glove and out. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, like palm and uh, back of palm. Mm-hmm. And, and he's th- got his modeling resume, which, yep. of course, has a picture of him in his underwear from Mario Odyssey. That's right. But, yeah, uh, so I think you probably, like, submit those. Um, they look at them. They're like, which hands don't disgust us? Right. And then they pick those. The person probably comes in and they see what the hands look like under camera. Mario right. does have a little bit of um, bigger digits yeah 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 but i think uh, again if we're talking about um a food or b power tools right like i th- i think that's i think that's gonna work oh yeah well. mario would kill a wendy's baconator commercial oh 100 percent absolutely especially if they don't have to shoot it like going into his mouth because the mustache is gonna make things weird he's not a mouth model no he's not a mouth model no no, no. they would use hand his model. hands on somebody else's mouth right right exactly um, yeah, this is good. And I think as soon as you get um, Mario in the room, like in an audition uh, scenario, that he's just he's just going to take it because he's so charismatic. Super charismatic. He's magnetic. Yep. All right, great. Um, next up, we have character number one. Rusty from Rusty Real, Rusty's Real Deal Baseball. New Rusty was in here somewhere. Couldn't wait until we got to him. Um, Rusty from Rusty's Real Deal Baseball is going to be going out for the job number nine. Monster truck. <laughs> Monster truck driver. Monster truck driver. Uh, first, let's ask the the obvious question: Can Rusty drive a car? I think for sure. You think for sure? I do. I really, I really do. I think as a small business owner, you have to. That's a good point. Be able to drive. He's also got kids. He has like, kids. Yeah. Um, I know he played baseball 
at some point he was probably a minor league player. Yeah, he and was. And they're doing a lot of, you know, like um, stuff on their own. So, like for the longest time, I think this upcoming season is the first time that teams are guaranteeing them housing that isn't just like, hey. Really? So, a lot of minor league teams, I think until this upcoming year, but maybe even some teams are still doing it where they would just be, they would find people in the community who are willing to house minor league players for the season. Boy, I don't like that. Crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally crazy. Um, and thank God we have the Third Amendment here. <laughs> it won't happen. You cannot put up uh, minor league players in, in my house. Um, okay. So, yes, I think Rusty can drive. Okay, Rusty can probably drive. Um, so that's good. Now, a monster truck driver. What 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 does that what does that do? What what does a monster truck driver do? Are you part of like a demolition rally? Yeah, so I think you're probably traveling around the country because yeah. you're like a performer mm-hmm. with your vehicle, but like an athletic performer in to the extent that driving is. Yeah, a yeah, sport. absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, are you drawing like the baseball parallels there? Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, and also uh, knows life on the road. Yeah, as a baseball player and as a monster truck driver. But yeah, I think as a monster truck driver, you are going um, with other people in the monster truck exhibition. Right. From city to city, town to town, just putting on performances, probably at least one every like two days. Have you ever ever been to like a demolition derby? I haven't. But is a demolition derby the same thing as a monster truck? Like are monster trucks mm -hmm. a feature of demolition derbies where it's like, hey, it's like the Zamboni of a demolition derby where, you know, we have to like clear the ice. We have to prepare the next thing. Right. So here's a monster truck. Or is it like a, a touring like pro wrestling show where like they go to cities and they use local talent to like fight most of the fights but then the monster truck is like the main event right that like but monster trucks aren't fighting each other right i don't think so they're just like crushing other cars right i don't know i've never i've never, I, I must confess a little bit of ignorance here i don't know a lot about uh what happens what monster trucks do i think you're right i think really the only thing i know is um you know like what you see in sitcoms where it's like sunday 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 right 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 i think we need to educate ourselves about monster truck rallies well, but when are we going to do that? Before we recorded this episode? Because it's too late for us for us to have already done this. You're right. You're right. We're, we can There's only, no looking back. Yeah. It's a, look, that's a shortcoming of us doing our job. Right. But we still have the responsibility of getting Rusty this job as a monster truck driver. Right. So we know Rusty can drive, or at least we've drawn that conclusion already. So uh, number, number one, can drive. Uh, number two, a, a, an experienced uh, sports performer mm-hmm. uh, understands that aspect of the business comfortable with life on the road he's got those three things totally down comfortable as a public figure yes absolutely and then i think there's also i don't know this for sure but i think there's an element of danger to being a monster truck driver right and i think of all the characters that nintendo has ever made uh no other character has as low a view of themselves or their own self-preservation as rusty when we meet Rusty in Rusty's Real Deal Baseball, he is a depressed shell of a man who has not seen his kids in years. <laughs> I think he is willing to put it all on the line for one le- – baseball didn't work out. He didn't find glory that way, but he will do whatever it takes to find success as a monster truck driver. I also think being a monster truck driver, there is a certain amount of like entrepreneurial 
spirit. Sure. Because your monster truck is your brand. Mm-hmm. And in order to, like, you want to become well-known so that way you're uh, desired at these monster truck rallies. Yeah. Presumably, as we've established. Right. You, Because <laughs> we don't really know. <laughs> um, but I think there's, a, a, that that's a, a great point about, like, your truck being your brand. And, like, Rusty has to have experience at least, like, fixing some mechanical things. Well, I mean, he's a small business owner. Right. And so he definitely understands. Comfortable wearing know, multiple hats. Exactly. <laughs> but, I, like, think about this for a second, that, like, some of the games that you're playing in Rusty's Real Deal Baseball are based on, like, the actual equipment that Nintendo used to sell before, like, the NES, right? So there's that, oh, is it called, like, the the Super Machine or something that's, like, a, a baseball, um, like, pitching arm? Um that's one of the games that you can play in Rusty's Real Deal ba- Baseball. So presumably, he still has this machine in his shop in the you know uh, 2010s, and it's still in working order. Like he's got some technical mechanical know-how. Also, he has these old cool gadgets that I'm sure could be fashioned onto a monster truck to yeah. like shoot baseballs at the audience. <laughs> that could be fun. Yeah. At broken cars. It sounds like fun. I'm having fun. Um, also, I mean, come on, Rusty for the name of a truck driver of any kind. So good. It's perfect. He falls right into it. Patrick, I genuinely think you and I would enjoy a monster truck rally. <laughs> but wh- why do you think that? We don't know anything about it. I think we'd have a good time. <laughs> all right. You're probably right. Um, all right. Well, we are down now to our final character, who is, of course, Groose. Groose, the bully from The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Uh, and he is going out for the job of number two. Short order cook at a small diner. This is another like high pressure situation. Um, Groose, how how far are you in Skyward Sword at the moment? Have you met uh, Groose uh, on on the ground? Yes. So I um it, just uh at the sacred grounds. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yep. Um, just had a fight where he kind of like had a machine. Yes. Okay, great. Um, so, so we understand that, uh, it's, it, that's all part of like his, uh, redemption arc, right. Where he goes from being a bully who's just like out to get, uh, what's his, um, jealous that Link and Zelda mm -hmm. have a thing, right. Have a connection. Kind of obnoxious about it. Kind of really obnoxious about it. Um, and then he ends up being like an effective defender of the of the sacred temple, um, by uh, not by being like a, a glory seeking warrior, but by like prepping the place with defenses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, also, was a knight in training for a while, so he's got school experience. Oh boy, how does this translate to being a short order cook? Okay, um, I think you're right. Does well under pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, because is able to assist when there's a giant monster right towards the temple. So it does well under pressure. Right. Perfect. I feel like the big m- missing connection yeah. is Knows food. anything about food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's tough. Because <laughs> he does not strike me as a gourmand. No. Um, he's not... You know, the, the way, uh, like, I feel like the way a Zelda game would characterize that, like, someone is passionate about food, it would be obvious to us. We would know it. He'd probably be a larger guy. Um, but, like, he's not. Groose is fit. One thing I do think... Broad-shouldered. One aspect of Groose that I do think 
would serve him well is that I think he's okay taking orders from authority. We never get the sense that he's really like a rebel. Right, right. Um, he's just kind of a little bit of a bully yeah. in the beginning of the game. And so I feel like he would do okay in these in like a high pressure situation where somebody's, you know, like they're constantly literal orders coming at him. Right. And, you know, like as long as I think if you give Gruce a direction, he would be able to go. Sure. That like given a task he can execute. Um, I, I think there's also something to because while he's at the sacred temple, he basically the only person he's hanging out with is the sage who lives there, right? Who he keeps referring to as like Granny. Um, and who are the patrons at a small diner? Uh, like the old people who are retired and like go there to have like their morning like coffee and hash browns and a garbage plate or whatever. Um, so he's able to make small talk with the old folks that come in the the old folks who are the regulars at at, at this diner. I also think that he would be able to take he would like. He would be a good ally to have on staff when the high school theater kids come in at like 1130 at night. Totally. Someone's got to bully those kids. Exactly. They just, you know, finished a performance of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Yeah, that's right. They're really feeling themselves. They're loud. They're obnoxious. You want Groose in the kitchen. Supper. They're all singing it. (laughs) And you really just want Groose to be like be able to bring order to that dining room if necessary. Yeah. And in a way that like anyone else would be uncomfortable being that much of a jerk, but he's like, no, this is my lane. <laughs> this is where I belong. Um, all right. That's good. That's good. Uh, I, I can't believe we're putting a, a bullying ability on someone's resume. Um, but you know, it just feels right. Um, Mark, we got a little time. You want to do some bonus ones? <laughs> are, are you having fun or do you want to stop? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, So we uh, originally in making this list uh, did remove some of our old standbys, characters that we like going to. You want to use one of them? Yeah. Let's do Stanley the Bugman. Stanley the Bugman. Stanley the Bugman from uh, Donkey Kong 3, Donkey Kong 3, and Greenhouse on the uh, Game & Watch is going out for job number. Wait, did did I already get rid of the uh, uh, short order cook? No, let's get rid of that. Um, don't want to make sure that we're not doubling up on any of these jobs. Um, also, Stanley, terrible short order cook. Oh yeah, he because he would panic. <laughs> Things would get out of hand too fast. Uh, all right, he's going out for job number seven. Someone who fires people like in Up in the Air. Sure. So this is taking the George Clooney job from Up in the Air, where he is contracted by uh, companies who are downsizing, um, and he goes in and. Uh, gently breaks the news to people that they are no longer employed where they have been employed. They're getting some sort of meager severance uh, and their uh, insurance benefits are like up at the end of the month, which by the way is also the end of the week. Sorry, we shouldn't have fired people on the 27th. Okay. Stanley is an exterminator. He gets called in to a greenhouse that is infested with bugs, but also a gorilla by the name of Donkey Kong. And he uses the tools that he has to drive that monkey out of the greenhouse. He's fearless is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So he's going to be in a room with someone who's, you know, two years away from like uh, uh, earning their pension uh, that has been working there for uh 
28 years uh, and is going to be mad. And all he's got is like his little folders of like, you know, what steps you can take next. And he's going to have to fight that battle as though it were a monkey coming in. And all he's got is a little spray container of a a bug. Of bureaucracy. Yeah. I think that's it. I think that's the only thing that he has to lean on. I think the parallels are like perfect. (laughs) I think you laid it out so perfectly. Well, also, Stanley doesn't have uh, any other experience. Right. Right. He was just an exterminator forever. He had, I guess, two separate experiences of fighting Donkey Kong. Um, yeah, but that's good. I think he would be good at this job. I Weirdly, I, I, I do. I actually think Stanley the Bugman could be good at a lot of these jobs. <laughs> He's a versatile guy. He is versatile. Um, all right, let's do one more. Okay. Um, I don't have a character in mind, but uh, do, do you have someone that you can... Oh, sure. Since these are bonus characters, let's just do Mike Jones from Star Tropics. Let's do Mike Jones from Star Tropics. Um, And this is going to be uh, for job number six. Elementary school computer lab teacher. Elementary school computer lab teacher. Uh, Okay. So he's an American kid, which means he's uh, familiar with with computers, at least as far as like games are concerned. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, boy, here's a, a question I've got for you. Do computer labs still exist in elementary schools or does just everyone on computers all the time? That is an interesting question. I am going to assume that, um, computer labs do continue to exist in public schools because not everyone has access to like technology readily in their homes. Sure. And I think that, uh, like typing and stuff like that is taught. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, so in what way is Mike Jones good at this? Also, I assume that we're talking about, like, Mike Jones. He's, like, 16 or, like, 17 or whatever he is at the time o- of those games. Old enough to qualify the, for this job, I okay. would say. Okay, sure. Yeah. But he hasn't been to college. No, has not been to college. Okay, okay. Has traveled through time, slash into the works of the, the, the like uh, he, the Sherlock Holmes mystery. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, he's been to space. He has a lot of experience for, you know, a yeah. 18-year-old. Right. But he, he has graduated high school, we'll say. Okay. Okay. Um, and also, he's operated a, a a submarine, right, that is operated via robot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he has experience with technology. He also just has experience with lots of different people. Yeah. True. So you think that, like, somehow... I think that, I think that potentially sets somebody up to be a good teacher. Yeah. Because they're w- able to communicate with, uh, like, a bunch of different type people. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have teaching experience. Mm-hmm. Would you have been happy if Mike Jones were one of your peers, like, in the school that you were working in? Oh, interesting. Um, I... Here's the thing about Mike Jones. You know he's always telling stories about... Oh, I think Mike Jones is really annoying, probably. yeah. yeah. But maybe not. Maybe like having traveled through time. Maybe that like really sure, like grants him a perspective. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. We've not seen Mike Jones post time travel. Like how how does that change a man when he returns? You know, stateside. Yeah, potentially some really good references, but maybe not all believable mm-hmm. because you know somebody's gonna look at your this reference from like Sherlock Holmes or whatever, right? And be like, like for this real? is a fictional character. <laughs> what do you mean? 
I feel like Mike Jones' best shot at being an elementary school computer lab teacher really is his familiarity with technology. Well, I, I would also say his uh, his uncle, right, is is a professor of archaeology. So, like, he works in education already to some degree, right? Right. Um, and I know there's probably not a lot of uh, cross-pollination between uh, the faculty at a college. I would imagine. And the faculty at an elementary school. Yeah. But he's a good reference. He's a good reference. Mm-hmm. He probably, uh, I mean, in a way, if you were going to lie on your resume a little bit, Mike Jones, you could say that he was a TA sure. for, mm-hmm. the, uh, for Professor Jones. If nothing else assisted in his research. Yes. You could definitely say that you were like a research assistant. So you're in that orbit of teaching already. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. I think that, and now that's you're applying your like technical skills. Mm-hmm. Which he just naturally has because, again, he's a, a, a kid growing up in, like, the early 1990s. Uh-huh. So, like, he was coming around at the same time. Look, he had an ICQ account. Um, you know, he had he got online through, like, Prodigy or, like, early AOL. Uh, was living in chat rooms and stuff. I know this because I am Mike Jones. <laughs> so, yeah, I think he'd be a, a really good computer lab teacher. Um, all right, Mark, uh, should we close this out or do you, do you want to review what we've uh, – what we've assigned people. Yeah, let's um let let's review what we teed people up for success. Yes, or at least for um, to get the job opportunity. That's right. Uh, Wario will be working as a roadie for the Rolling Stones. Samus will be will be a sommelier. Funky Kong will be a storyboard artist. We Fit Trainer will be a firefighter. <laughs> Judd will be a zoo janitor, and we think that means the human part. Professor Egad will be a general contractor. Wardell will be a watch repairman. Tingle, a radio jingle composer. <laughs> Ganondorf will be a wedding DJ. Mario will be a hand model. Rusty will be a monster truck driver, and we think we know what that is. Groose is a short order cook at a small diner. Stanley the Bugman is someone who fires people like George Clooney and Up in the Air. And Mike Jones from Star Tropics is an elementary school computer lab teacher. All right, Mark, let's close this out. That is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Uh, Thank you so much for bearing with us on that. I had a lot of fun, Mark. I hope you had a lot of fun. Um, Please remember to rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Give us a rating. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter, wherever you share stuff. We appreciate it when you do. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8BitBetty. You can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com. Or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told 
him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with drills for hands, or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're You're here here to to believe believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.